You're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 187th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, we will be continuing our conversation about mental freedom with Sylvester Baugh. Sylvester is the owner and operator of Baugh Training and Consulting in Illinois. He is a speaker, trainer, coach, and author. For over 35 years, he has assisted institutes, businesses, and individuals in developing and sustaining better relationships, systems, and a quality of life. He has a background in communication, and his messages are known as life-changing. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sylvester. I know how busy you are, and I'm so grateful you're willing to take a break from all of that to talk to us. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to enjoy time with you. Yes, many of you may recognize Sylvester from previous episodes. For a while, he was my standard. I think I had him in the first three seasons, skipped the fourth season, and here he is back in the fifth. So he's a hard person for me not to include in these podcasts. He has so much wisdom to share. This time, I'm asking him to be a guest to talk about his experience with the Mental Freedom Program because he's one of my uh, team. I'm putting together a team of people right now. We are a team of four, and he is the first person on my team. (laughs) So if you would share with the audience, Sylvester, when did you first learn the mental freedom principles? Wow, let's see. Maybe it was two years ago um, Mm -hmm. when I was first introduced to the principles, and they were fairly new at that time. I, I believe you were um beginning to work on um the book maybe in your head a little bit and and the <laughs> it's usually where it principles. starts <laughs> yeah 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 but we we have to count that people you have to count when it starts in your head um but yeah it's been a couple of years now okay and did those principles have an impact for yourself personally and if so how Yes, absolutely. Um, I remember learning about the uh, the principles while I was um, still interacting with young people at a school where I was coaching basketball, and I I saw immediate impact um, in my patients, in my understanding of these young people, because. Mm-hmm. You tend to get you tend to get um, challenged, shall I say, when you're dig- dealing with people from another generation. And, but mental freedom helped me to find that balance within myself when operating with them. So that was the first impact I felt. That's great. Kids always need some more patience. I think <laughs> that's really. True. How about as an author? I know you've mentioned to me things about you as an author and mental freedom. Yeah, as an author, um, it was even though this wasn't the first 
uh, writing experience that I've had. But as an author, it was very interesting how learning about the principles of mental freedom, the narratives in my head, the responsibility of what I was writing and when I was writing, how it really tapped into my organization and how I process things that I was writing. I think that the principles of mental freedom really helped to shape those those parts of, of my writing abilities. And it really helped me because when you're writing a book about yourself, it's it can be challenging. But mm. I, I thought knowing the, the principles of mental freedom helped me to direct me in a place in a, in a in a direction that I needed to go in. That's that's awesome and wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> Have you used them with your clients as a coach? Yes, they're the fabric of how I coach now. What I've found to be true is that you always find teachable moments. In these teachable moments, I find times to insert principles of mental freedom with particular clients. One, they're accessible, and two, they're relevant. When I hear a client and they seem to be struggling in a particular area, I can identify a principle that will resonate with them in that area. And it usually shifts the discussion and it gives them an understanding of empowerment that maybe they didn't have before. I always lean to the principles because they're always useful. That's great. I'm so glad that you've been able to find them to be helpful in your coaching. Have you ever used them with couples? Yeah, not as much, but I have. I've had a few eye-opening experiences. I recall one couple that I was talking to, and it literally stopped them in their tracks collectively with what they were dealing with in that moment. And I've had experiences in the past where I've seen where couples are looking for somebody that's going to represent their thinking, so to speak, right. individually. But when you're really looking at mental freedom, it has no respect of person. It's straight for everybody. And so talking to two people about an issue that they're sharing, mental freedom gives pause to think and process that issue. And it, it shows no favoritism or alliance with either individual. It purely represents the betterment of the relationship. Right. I love that because it's unbiased. It's objective. You're right about that. What are some of the problems that you've been able to address with mental freedom? You and I may have spoke of this, but one of the principles of mental freedom involves the narratives we create in our heads. It's probably one of my favorite and most active narratives that I talk about. I've had individuals who struggle with that almost to the point where they don't think they can control it. That's been something I've had to explain. And usually it requires me taking them through a real life personal experience that they're dealing with and examining the aspects, the stories that they've created in their heads and breaking them down, talking about the facts that they know and the fantasies that they've included to the facts. 
And a lot of times that separation is a struggle for them because oftentimes our fantasies are realities. But when we break it down and talk about that, they get a better understanding of that particular principle. I enjoy that because that offers a lot of strength and encouragement and hope when people realize part of what I'm really bringing up, I've created. I can edit that and get back to the reality and it softens their emotions. Mm, I like that a lot. It is true when you can look at what you know to be true versus what you're telling yourself is true. They're often two pretty different things. I know I do that myself. It's a good thing to make people aware. Excellent. Have you or your clients experienced any light bulb moments that you can share? Yeah, I comfortably say we both have. (laughs) I know I have many light bulb moments since I've incorporated mental freedom. I look at mental freedom personally as not something that I learned, but something I've become aware of. It's almost like there are things that you suppress at a conscious level. And when you're introduced to mental freedom and have the mental freedom experience, you recall a lot of things that you've experienced and say, oh, my God, I didn't do. I should have. I could. And it's such an awakening. It's amazing. And I've seen that in clients as well. I've seen it just in discussing issues with them. And helping them to understand things like, was that your responsibility? Or did you take someone else's responsibility? And when you talk about that principle of responsibility versus your ability to respond, it's an awakening for them because the majority of people will realize out of the goodness of their heart, they've taken on responsibilities of other people that weigh heavily on them because you only have so much leverage in managing that. And they realize that and it becomes a light bulb moment. And now they have to try to figure out how to release that which they've taken on over a period of time. And so through coaching, we I can help them do that. That's one of the more consistent light bulb moments that I've seen is people taking responsibility for what they should take responsibility for versus what they're taking from somebody else. Just to make that less esoteric and more concrete for people, could you give us a real life specific example of something someone is not taking responsibility for that they should, or maybe responsibility they're taking that actually belongs to someone else without violating any confidentiality, of course? Oh, absolutely. This has been something that I've seen happen in a couple of sessions that I've had where people will take responsibility for a family member, a child, a grandchild. And it's done out of genuineness. It's done out of genuine love for that person. And if they see them deficiting in some way, they'll take responsibility for their happiness, for their financial status, for the stress they're experiencing. And on the other hand, they are dealing with health issues, collaboration issues at work or in their business. And these are things that they are responsible for. However, they are latching on to external control thinking and they're delving into blaming and criticizing the things that they should be responsible for and they are responsible for while they latch on to 
taking responsibility for the things that they shouldn't, but out of their hearts, they feel like they have to, which mm. is another one of favorite principles. I've seen that repeatedly, particularly with family members. Yeah. I think people often take responsibility yeah. for family members. You're right. To their own detriment. Yes. And they suffer in areas like health. Mm-hmm. Instead of taking responsibility for their own health, they will complain and criticize medical professionals or whatever. There are things they can do to better manage their health and their self-care, but they exert all their energy into taking care of someone else. Interesting you say that because in the last 24 hours, I've talked with two different women who are in separate relationships with their spouses, and both of them have chosen to take responsibility for family members, and their spouse is very unhappy about it, but they didn't consult their partner. They're just doing it because they feel responsible, and they want to be responsible. I could see how it could cause problems with someone's health, but it can also interfere with your primary relationship, which is something that you want to maintain and respect and nurture if you want to keep it. Yes. What you were saying just brought me back to thinking of those two different people in completely different scenarios, but one has taken on her granddaughter and the other is going to take on her three nephews. It's a lot. And the spouses in both situations aren't really happy about it. Yeah. So you've talked about how mental freedom has been helpful. Do you think that there's any type of problem or a particular type of person that may not benefit from mental freedom? Of course. A person that lacks the strength, courage, and wisdom to accept accountability They're not prepared for mental freedom. And this is not a knock against them because there are a lot of people in the world that we encounter that has been saddled with personal issues that they've become accustomed to dealing with in an external way. While mental freedom in and of itself, the name tells you there's an aspect of freedom you receive. It requires work and accountability. Until a person is ready and able to do the work and become accountable, I don't think that they're going to benefit from mental freedom. But I've always said, if I have the opportunity to plant the seed, I may not get the shade from the tree. It may not come from me, but it'll come somewhere down the road, maybe 10, Mm -hmm. 15, 20 years later. Mm -hmm. So planting the seed of mental freedom is something as practitioners, we have a responsibility to do but understand that the expectation of the benefit for the other person has to be managed because everybody's not going to receive it the way that people that are prepared will. If you had to just say one thing that you like best about mental freedom, what would it be? Freedom, internal (laughs) freedom. That's the word, internal freedom. I'm a big advocate of peace and I think mental freedom is definitely the conduit to peace. If you can operate in the principles consistently at a conscious level, you will acquire a peace that you've never, never had before because it'll be more consistent. Mental freedom doesn't exempt you from being challenged in life, but it does minimize the degree 
of negative emotional and mental responses in life. Mm. And that there can provide you a sense of freedom and peace that maybe you haven't consistently received. Yeah, I hear that. Maybe we should call it mental peace instead of mental freedom. (laughs) (laughs) I like the peace word myself. Yeah, mental freedom provides you a sense of mental peace. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it really truly does. All right. Well, I promised not to take up too much of your time. So in coming to an end, is there anything you might like to add that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Well, one, of course, I'd like to thank you for introducing me and the world to mental freedom. I honestly believe it is what people are looking for and have yet to find. It can be magical. It's very impactful. I believe that it works in any situation, whether it's marriage, business, whatever. It works with people with any kind of situation, but people have to give it a try. Just give it a try and don't expect any more than you're prepared to give. Mm, That's good advice. And thank you for the compliment. I appreciate that. Sure. Do you have anything coming up that you'd like to tell the audience about? If anybody wanted to take mental freedom sessions with you, how could they do that? Other than individual coaching, I am involved with a couple of men's groups. I do run men groups virtually as well as in-person. I am gearing up to start a group, my in-person group, to do a mental freedom training for them. If people want to join the virtual group, and learn some of the principles of mental freedom, they can always reach out to me via email at sealball at gmail.com or at our training at onebox.com. That's B-A-U-G-H, the word training at onebox, O-N-E-B-O-X.com. And we can discuss how you can participate in one or two of those sessions. And that's just for men. That's just for men. Yes, that's just for men. Now, the coaching, individual coaching is for anybody, any and everybody, couples coaching, individual coaching, absolutely. But the sessions I'm working with just men. Okay. All right. I really appreciate you joining us today, Sylvester. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. Again, it's always great to talk to you. Good to see you. Enjoy your holiday if I don't talk to you between now and then. Same to you, my friend. Yeah, Christmas is right around the corner. Yes, it is. I know you have grandchildren. I have grandchildren. Definitely. Exactly. Exactly. Looking forward to that. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when we'll be continuing the conversation on mental freedom with Ruby Powell. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.